Hello, confidants, my sweet ass, beautiful, mentally well, uh, investigative, curious confidants. Welcome to another episode of Confidently Insecure. I'm your host, Kelsey Dara. This is the podcast where we are absolutely sure we don't know everything. And just like I say every week, this episode is something truly I don't know much about, but feel very intimate on the subject, but have no fucking clue. So I am so excited to bring on our guest. Uh, We are on our like, I don't know, third or fourth week of mental health month. And so obviously just want to state a big old trigger warning for all of these episodes this month that we are obviously talking about sensitive subjects. But more importantly, let's bring on our guest. She is an ADHD coach. And I, of course, found her through TikTok. Welcome to the podcast, Tina Etheridge. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, Kelsey. Thank you for having me. Uh, I am so excited. I told you off camera, like this is the episode that I am so curious about because ADHD is such a fucking topic. It is such a big topic right now, especially I feel like on social media, I, my whole TikTok feed is just mental health and so often ADHD content where I'm like, wait a second. I feel like I identify with so many pieces of this, but then sometimes I'm like, nope, not at all. So I just need you to clarify everything. No big deal and no pressure. But Tina, what the fuck is ADHD? That is my first question. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. I can (laughs) totally answer that one. Great. (laughs) So ADHD is attention hyperactivity, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And so basically what that means, you know, if you just look at it from the label, you know, with the words itself, it means that it's an issue with attention Mm. and, you know, the hyperactivity, meaning that you have, you know, a lot of energy. So yeah, it's, it's basically a neurological developmental disorder. Um, Break that down. Neurological. So that's brain. Right. Development. Is that something that it means it develops over time or is like genetic? It's so, yeah, it's genetic. It's definitely genetic. Um, it's actually a pretty heritable disorder. So what does that mean? People for a lot of people, (laughs) if they have family members with ADHD, um, it's, you know, it's passed down. Mm, So we get to blame our parents yet again. (laughs) Love that. And then disorder. That's a big word. Yes, it is. Yeah. And you know, it's very different from, you know, um, it, it has nothing to do with intelligence or anything like that. It's truly just that your brain, people with ADHD, their brains are wired differently. Mm. Um, and often what the case is, is that they have lower levels of dopamine and norepinephrine. Ooh, those um, are two big words. You're really <laughs> going to have to tell me what they are. Yes. <laughs> so those are just two neurotransmitters in the brain. So uh-huh. a, a one that's pretty well known as serotonin. Mm-hmm. Um, so dopamine and norepinephrine, dopamine especially is associated with, you know, pleasure and rewards mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. definitely a feel good yes. instant gratification kind of moment. Um, and so people with ADHD, they don't have as much dopamine as a neurotypical person would, or somebody without ADHD. Okay. Hold on. I got to pause on the neurotypical thing because I feel mm-hmm. like that was a word that popped off more recently in society, yeah. but at first was associated with the autism spectrum. And then now I see a lot of people saying I am neurotypical neurodivergent. What's the word? There's neurodivergent and there's neurodiverse. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so really it's just a way, I think it's a word that's just used to explain that, you know, my, you know, my brain is wired differently than what's more conventional, more normal in society, Mm, more conventional. So yeah. But isn't that like everybody isn't like who, what's a normal brain? (laughs) Absolutely. I completely agree with that for sure. And the really interesting thing about ADHD is that a lot of the symptoms or, you know, especially on TikTok, there's so much relatable content. There's, you know, you watch it and you're like, Ooh, I kind of do that. Yes. But the thing about ADHD is that for someone with it, it is severe and it is debilitating or Ah. it's frustrating or it's like impacting your life in big ways. So, you know, of course, everybody's going to forget their keys. Everybody's going to lose their wallet at some point in life, but someone with ADHD, because they have issues in their working memory, mm-hmm. they'll, it'll happen all the time and it will right. get so frustrating. Yes. And so I want to also bring up what is ADD? Yeah, absolutely. So basically um, the new, what, what kind of how this works is there's like a diagnostic manual. It's called mm-hmm. the DSM. Yes. Um, I'm familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And so the old version, the DSM-4, had ADD, which is attention deficit disorder, and that was associated with the inattentive type of ADD, ADHD, and then ADHD was the hyperactive type. Okay, Um, so big difference. Yes. Is it a big difference? Well, it can be. It can be outwardly. Mm -hmm. Um, So now, currently in the DSM-5, there is... ADD oh, is an outdated term. Yes. Wow. I don't think I knew that. And I'm yeah. someone who's been diagnosed with like both, which I don't even know. Yeah. How to, yeah. Yeah. It's yes. It's an outdated term. It's considered an outdated term now. So how it's, it's viewed essentially is it's, it's all ADHD. It's all under mm-hmm. that name, but there are different subtypes of ADHD. Got so it. now there's the, the inattentive subtype of ADHD. There's the hyperactive type. And then there's the combined type where people experience mm-hmm. both. Holy shit. Okay. That's a lot. Cause I feel like as a society, we know of, you know, depression, we know of anxiety and we don't really think of ADHD either as like a symptom of those things. You know, when I started my mental health journey, which has been like 15 plus years now, I mean, really my whole life, but like clinically 15 plus years, I was told that ADHD is often co-diagnosed with an anxiety disorder or depression. And so, you know, I, stayed away from talking about, um, psychiatry and medicine a lot in my book, because I didn't want people to think I am anti, if I talk about a negative experience or pro, if I talk about a positive experience and then they want to go and be on that thing. So I'm very cautious about that piece of my journey. But when I was first diagnosed with like a major depressive disorder or a generalized anxiety, I was then said, you also have this ADHD And on top of the antidepressants and you know, anti-anxiety medication, we're also going to prescribe you an ADHD medication, which I was like, okay, so not only are you trying to help me feel better with the anxiety and depression, but then all of a sudden I'm on Adderall. And I think that people assume Adderall is there to combat the depression and the lack of energy or the, you know, the, um, kind of like the lethargic symptom. Right. Whereas 
can you have ADHD without depression and anxiety? So that was actually the case for me. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So my, I had a very similar experience. You know, I had been diagnosed with depression um, and, you know, this was kind of around the time that my mom passed away. So I was very young and, you know, lots of, I think there was a lot of misunderstanding and, and just, you know, a big grief event can just kind of overtake anything. Um, Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But for me, so I had that, you know, depression diagnosis and I had been on antidepressants and they, you know, uh, you know, stuff like Prozac and just the typical, Love it. Yep. and for <laughs> me, it never, it never really felt like it did anything. Yes. So eventually I just stopped taking it. <gasps> and later, later on, you know, after I realized that, oh my gosh, no, I actually have ADHD. It's not all of these other things. It's ADHD. Right. What I had learned on my, my journey and my researching is that having undiagnosed ADHD can be the primary disorder. Right. And then secondary, it can look like symptoms mm-hmm. of depression. It can look like symptoms of anxiety, mm-hmm. but the primary disorder, the source mm-hmm. of all of that can be for some people, the ADHD. It can wow. also be both. It can have, you know, major, yes. yeah, major depression, clinical depression and ADHD, like two separate yes. things that are um, like friends. Right. Right. That right. are friends. They're exactly. like cousins. They're not siblings. <laughs> yeah. They're buds. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Cause I think, I mean, I might be making generalization here, but I feel like in my psychiatry experience, no one has ever been like talking about ADHD as a source. It's always no. been a symptom. And I, I wrote about that in the book actually. Cause like I have symptoms of, of OCD and I have symptoms of ADHD, but I don't really necessarily, mm, I, I feel like other people more so are like, you got ADHD, then I identify with it, um, super strongly. Yeah, I totally get that. And, you know, in my (laughs) psychiatrist experience, you know, uh, with my ADHD diagnosis, initially what I was told was, you know, when I'm trying to kind of present, this is why I think I have ADHD here are my reasons. And my psychiatrist was like, uh, maybe, but I think you have anxiety, OCD, and depression. And I don't Mm. think it's ADHD. Mm. And so she said that, and I thought, okay, maybe, but you know, from everything I've been researching, you know, I was just like in this absolute devouring all of the information I could about ADHD at the time. And I had read a book, um, it's called driven to distraction by Ed Hollowell. And basically what he describes is exactly what I said, that those, you know, what looks to be OCD, anxiety, depression are actually, Mm. you know, coming from, you know, my depression personally was a frustration Yes, in that I wanted to do something like, oh, this is a thing I want to do. Why can't I just do it? Why can't I just do it? Why is it so hard? And of course, doctors seeing that if they don't dig deeper and they just Mm -hmm. see like, oh, you're having a hard time getting out of bed, you must be depressed. depressed. Wow. I feel like this is a big turn that's happening. And I think, feel like, I feel like it's social media and TikTok to thank people for becoming better self-advocates for their mental health, because I think they're able to go in now and be like, Hey, no, actually, you know, and you know, obviously want to talk about how you got into coaching, but I wanted to first talk about the actual diagnosis because again, I had taken all these like tests before. And then there was even a like, God, I don't even know how long the test was. I've done it twice at two separate places where 
they have me clicking on a button Mm -hmm. and how fast and how concentrated I can be. And I'm like, well, yeah, duh. Obviously if I'm giving a task, I'm going to fucking crush it. Even if I do have ADHD. So how do you feel about the actual diagnosis process? Because I've been based on the tests I've done. I don't have ADHD based on everything else in my life. It feels like ADHD. Right. Well, I think you nailed it though. When you said that when you're taking the test, so you're in a new environment, mm-hmm. it's a thing you've never done before. Exciting. And so <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. It's different and you're in a different place. And so of course you're going to be able to stay focused and be attentive right. because it's new, it's novel. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the dopamine that we get is with novelty and mm. you know, different change, all of that kind of stuff. And so it's been basically reported that a lot of times those computerized tests Mm. that they can not be accurate. You can actually still have ADHD just because Ah. of that reason. Right. Cause I'm like, give me a task and that's gratifying for me. And so I wonder what you believe is the best diagnosis Mm. process and like you know, I think in the nineties and two thousands, we were like, it's the hyper kid. And I feel like we've been able to kind of put that stereotype aside and be like, all right, let's not just medicate these kids from, you know, toddler age, but then, yeah, I'm curious, just, can you talk about like the diagnosis process and age groups and blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think the big issue that I think we're now seeing that's popping up on TikTok, um, is that a lot of people have been either misdiagnosed or Mm -hmm. they have not been diagnosed at all. Right. And a big reason for that is that the, the hyperactive, you know, I think the stereotype is that hyperactive little boy that's disruptive in class. It's always a little boy. Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's like, those are just being like little shits. Kids are shits. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And so for that, you know, those kids are very disruptive. And so of course the teacher is going to be motivated to speak up about it or say, Mm -hmm. Oh, that's ADHD. But The thing is that there's also the inattentive type and for kids that can look like daydreaming, um, you know, being distracted, Mm. forgetting stuff at school, forgetting due dates, having a hard time getting homework done and all of that. But, you know, for girls, especially, I think we're taught to, to make everybody happy and to not Mm. let everyone down and we can't handle the rejection. And so we got to multitask. We got to be the, the do it all gal. Yeah. Yeah, So that we have approval so that we feel like we're doing okay. Jesus Christ. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I know. And so I think because of that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of young girls and people who are assigned female at birth have gone through life. They haven't had, you know, any, you know, report card issues or anything serious that their teacher Mm -hmm. is like, oh my gosh, I have to deal with this. And Mm -hmm. so they end up not receiving a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And the issue with that is that now we're in this place where doctors have a very, very strong misunderstanding of what ADHD looks like in adult, in adult women and people that are adults. And that's where the problem is. You know, they come in and it, you know, the doctor takes so my experiences with my psychiatrist, I haven't, I've not, I have not done testing, but I have uh, seen uh-huh. psychiatrists and every single time it's been a one hour to yep. 90 minute appointment, $200. Yep. <laughs> they don't fucking yep. know you really probably don't take insurance. Can't and talk about your trauma in an hour. Really? <laughs> no, of course. That's exactly it. You cannot cover a lifetime's yeah. worth of experiences in an hour. Right. 
And so unfortunately, how this, the typically typical process seems to be is that they'll, they'll talk with you for an hour and they really just want to hear what you've recently been struggling with. Right, right. And again, not digging down to the context, not figuring out what's going on deeper. Have you developed any compensating strategies to overcome your ADHD? Like what? I feel like that's important. Yes. Um, so one compensating strategy off the top of my head. So a lot of people with ADHD have an issue with time. Yes. So they're either super late or they, you know, completely forgot about the thing because they were so interested in this other thing. They just completely lost track of time. So for some people with ADHD, they've experienced reprimands from that, you know, maybe from a younger age or they got in trouble or something really awful happened because they missed a thing. Right. And so what they learn to do is they learn to set timers, set alarms and be hyper vigilant about checking the time all the time or showing up, you know, 30 minutes, an hour early mm. to appointment, just so they don't miss mm-hmm. the thing. It becomes disruptive. It's like, Absolutely. I spend so much time making sure I'm with the time. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. Making myself appear to look like I'm fine. Right. Like I'm doing right. okay, but that is so exhausting. Right. And doctors draining. aren't like psychiatrists aren't in the appointment asking that kind of question. Like, no. are you fatigued from focusing on right. being late or early or whatever? Right. Yeah. So that's, it's just like, oh, you're tired. So yeah, that's depression. You're depressed. Right. Exactly. Or, you know, for me with um how I would get obsessed about my interests, like the stuff that I'm interested in, I would have so much energy towards that. Yep. And so my doctor saw that as, oh, mania. And I got diagnosed as bipolar. And this is the big thing I wanted to talk about with you because that is a huge fucking issue. Speak on it, girl. Yes. Speak on yes. it. Yes. Oh my gosh. So truly, you know, I, when I went to psychiatrist, I, you know, I'd been the antidepressants weren't working. I was seeing a general practitioner. I was like, no, I need to see a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I cannot keep going like this. The pandemic working from home, especially Ooh. the transition from working from home was awful for me. Like mm-hmm. I literally could not get myself to work. Dang. I would sit down and I would try and I would try and I just couldn't do it. Yeah, and so, it so frustrating. It was so frustrating. And I felt so guilty about it because, you know, yep. I respect my boss. I like my job and I didn't want to be that person because that's mm-hmm. not me. Right. And so going to a psychiatrist, you know, basically it was just like I said, it was like an hour, hour and a half appointment. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, he was like, okay, here's what it is. Uh, this is going to be the answer to all your problems. Mm-hmm. You have bipolar disorder. <laughs> And so I thought, oh my gosh, this is it. This yep. is the reason why I've had these challenges my whole life. Yep. And I really, I truly thought, okay, yeah, maybe this is what's going on. And of the course there were some things same thing happened to me. You're like really? telling my exact story. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm, I am bipolar. That makes so much sense. Like I want to go fucking bungee jump and then like start a business. And then I'm depressed as fuck and tired and fatigued for a week. Like the swings, the way they projected what bipolar was, Mm -hmm. was so relatable. And now I'm finding out is the symptom of untreated ADHD. Yes. So I can totally identify with being you know, I talk about it in my story that I was misdiagnosed bipolar. And like, that was something that I didn't realize until I figured it out on my own. On your own. Isn't that incredible? I'm just a powerful psychiatrist at this point. I believe I basically have gone to medical school. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm like with all the shit I've been through and the places I've gone and the fucking inpatient outpatient rehab, like I feel like when I was able to go, Oh, that was, this is not bipolar. It was not necessarily, it, it didn't make me feel any type of way because I was like, I don't have a negative attachment to the word bipolar. And I don't feel like people have who I know in my life have too much negativity, like a detrimental amount right. to the word. But I was kind of like, ugh, I was over it. I was like, what the fuck? How does that happen? Why does that happen so much? And why did it happen to you and me? Yes. Um, I really think it's because again, most doctors do not understand what ADHD looks like in women, adult women who were not diagnosed as children. It was not caught when they were kids. Right. And so we come in and, you know, we're saying that we're having these issues with depression, but also we can get super obsessed about things. And then we have anxiety because of our coping compensating mechanisms. And they say, okay, well, you're, um, you know, that obsession, that, you know, and you're so into your interest. Hyperactivity. You just want to learn all about, yeah, that's hyperactivity. Exactly. And they think it's mania. Exactly. They think it's mania. Right. And, you know, then we have the depression, the depressive symptoms, which can be caused. This is what's not well known, not well understood, but it is the truth. Frustration with your executive functioning, frustration for not being able to do a thing when you really want to do a thing can cause depressive symptoms. Absolutely. It's frustrating. It's awful. So is like, is bipolar ADHD and is ADHD bipolar or is there like a distinct difference? Because I feel like I've seen it in my life personally. You know, I've talked about it that people I love in my life have mania and psychosis and, you know, I've seen what that fucking looks like. And I'm like, oh, that is not what I am experiencing here. And I think we've blurred that line between they are, they feel or present as the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of the symptoms can look similar to ADHD, but again, it's the context. And so, you know, for example, um, that hyperactivity. So my, my brain, I always feel like I've had racing thoughts. I always feel like my brain is thinking a mile Mm -hmm. a minute, you know, all these Mm -hmm. ideas go, go, go. My brain just never shuts up. Mm -hmm. And so people who have bipolar disorder, they also have racing thoughts. And that is from main, you know, when they're right. in a manic episode right? and, you know, they're not sleeping and mm-hmm. they're, you know, doing like all of these things and they, they think they can conquer the whole world yep. and kind of mm-hmm. can get into dangerous situations sometimes. Totally. But the difference for me, and this is how I figured out that it was not bipolar for me is that, you know, if I'm thinking, 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 and I have, you know, I'm staying up late researching something I'm interested in. I will still be tired the next day. Right. I You're not experiencing that, that. I'm not experiencing high. weeks of that right. high. I don't have infinite amounts of energy for, Same. you know, a manic episode that lasts usually at least days, a couple days. If, if you not don't weeks. catch it. Yep. Right. For wow. me, it would be like, okay, maybe I stayed up super late because I was extremely interested in this, but right. then I have to sleep to make up you have for to it. and bipolar you don't you don't with mania and psychosis, right. it's, it's, it's like you're in an episode and yes. you're in that episode and for it's me very it would fun be... to see it's ve- like everyone that i've talked to that has come on to talk about bipolar they're like it's great it's like ecstasy i have nothing bad to say about yes. mania and psychosis and it's it's like intense yeah, if you don't catch absolutely. it whereas i'm loving the actual difference you're pointing out here for people to see like mm-hmm. there is a very clear line 
that we've blurred where it's like, this is what mania and psychosis looks like. And this is hyperactivity. Yeah, exactly. And then the other part of it too, is that I can be super interested in the thing and researching, researching, but I can still be depressed at the same time. Ooh, Ooh, that's a troublesome, that's a troublesome experience. I resonated very deeply when you talked about the guilt and shame of task finishing, right? Like I, like I said, if there's a task where it's like make a smoothie and then clean the kitchen, which is what I just did. I'm actually staring at my smoothie right here. It looks delicious. I did that and I felt great. And I was like, fuck yeah. Now I had like five minutes before we jumped on and I'm looking at emails about a company, a startup that I just started, which I think spawned from a hyperactive, excitable, like super like, oh my gosh, this sounds like something I could do. And what a big thing to try. And if I fail, at least I tried. And now there's like a, B, C, D, E, F, G of becoming a CEO of a, a startup. And I'm like, all day, I am thinking about things I need to do for it and how I'm not doing enough and how frustrated that makes me. And then I, and then I still, I go deeper and deeper and go like, well, why as a society have we labeled like success and money as happiness? And do I really even belong in a society that, and then it goes right too deep. And I'm like, oh, fucking Christ, where, where did I go? I need to ground myself and do some fucking Reel it back. dial it way the fuck back. Um, so let's go back to like, when you, found out you're like okay it's not necessarily finding out it's more like a realization you're like okay this is not bipolar did you start to become that sort of adhd expert coach like how did now your journey go into this yes so it was definitely a progression um and i truly think it was because i had to advocate so strongly for myself and because i had to deal with so many doctors who did not listen to me mm. who did not believe me who thought mm. i was just trying to get adderall, adderall. to sell yeah oh yeah. i've done yeah. it guilty super super fucking guilty i'm not going to lie my friends that i'm like you need this and then i've given them one or two yeah super yeah it's, i think i it's just very common. admitted i did a felony or something on there but <laughs> listen confidants you're my confidants for a reason yes <laughs> that happens a lot. And unfortunately, you know, um, that, that, that basically that challenge that I had to go through of advocating for myself, pushing for myself. And in the face of these doctors who would not listen to the evidence would not listen to, you know, basically what I did was once I had this realization and again, thank you, TikTok for, you know, (laughs) opening my eyes to it as a possibility because I never would have thought that I had ADHD. Oh, really? Yeah. No, it was all because of TikTok. And I remember, so after I got my bipolar diagnosis, I was, you know, starting to get on TikTok and I would start getting ADHD videos. And I remember literally having this thought in my head, like, no, get me on bipolar TikTok. I'm not ADHD. And I tried to like, like more bipolar videos under that. But the universe was like, hey, oh, here it is. Here's the content. Wow. Yes. Because they coexist. Yeah. You were yep, trying to get rid of definitely. it. Literally the thing that like gets smushed together that we were just talking about. It makes exactly. so much sense that you kept getting yeah. those videos. Right. Right. And so, um, oh gosh, losing my train of thought here. Mm, yeah, classic. So- Love that for us. Let's <laughs> I know, pull I it know. out. My sweet, sweet confidants. I just had to take a quick second, pause on the pod. One real quick second, just to talk about my most favorite thing, which is therapy with my most favorite company, which is BetterHelp. Y'all know I am constantly preaching about BetterHelp, which is an online therapy app website you can download 
right now and get matched with a licensed professional counselor in under 24 hours because I truly, truly believe in it. The weather is getting warmer, so it is time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now that I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortless, effortless, less, yeah, effortlessly chic year after year, like uh, premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from 30 doll hairs, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. I can confirm this. I'm actually wearing Quince pants right now. You are. They are so, they're they're loose, they're breezy. These babies have a button, a fly, drawstring, and elastic in the band. So I can like, I can dress them up, I can dress them down. Yes. They are, they're the perfect pant for summer and I'm really comfortable as hell in them. Honestly, I am wearing the Quince 14 karat gold earring loop right now. Oh my God. I know. I think it's so cute. It does not tarnish. It is so comfy and I have sensitive ears so I'm really loving this for my body. So get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Kelsey for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Kelsey to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Kelsey. Are you looking to cut back on alcohol this year? <laughs> you are talking to two sober Sallies. You know Zach and I love to drink recess zero-proof craft mocktails because it's a guilt-free way to unwind. It has 0% alcohol made with real fruit, only 25 calories or less, and it is sweetened with agave because y'all know I got that sugar addiction. It has incredible flavors. One of my favorites is the grapefruit Paloma. The Paloma is actually one of the last drinks I was drinking when I was drinking alcohol. So this is like a nice little nostalgia moment and it still feels really fun in my hand. And there's no reason we should be missing out on the partying either. It's such a good replacement for alcohol, a great drink for having in between alcoholic drinks, unwinding at home, at dinner parties, chilling on the couch. It is endless. Get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash Kelsey. So you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. I use it every single week. Shout out to my therapist, Kim. And I also do couples therapy from it. It has made my life so much more manageable during this pandemic. And I want all of my confidants to be able to have that accessibility and affordability, which is why I love BetterHelp because it is more affordable than traditional counseling and on other online competitors. And they deal with all sorts of things like anger issues, LGBT, family life, uh, sexuality, relationships, sleeping, trauma, you name it. BetterHelp is there for you. And I want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener, you're going to get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash CI. You're going to join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health when you go to betterhelp.com slash CI. I'm also like under the chair, like twiddling my legs and like oh, looking yeah, at my really. notes. Like two people with ADHD <laughs> is such a fun friendship, you know? It really is. But that's it why really you're here. Is. I'm here to be like, okay, so you saw all the TikToks, you're self-advocating. How did you then go into coaching? Like, 
What about, what is like ADHD coaching? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, I think for my diagnosis and for advocating for myself, I had to do so much research on ADHD Mm -hmm. and also it was a hyper fixation for me. I was completely obsessed with learning about ADHD. Yeah. I think, I think it's so common for, especially when it's like, oh shoot, that's me. And, or I experienced this, this is so relatable. And you just basically learn all these things about yourself that you thought before were like, Ooh, this is why I'm broken or this is why I'm messed up. And it's like, Oh no, it's that it's ADHD. It's not just you. You're not the only person in the world. Mm -hmm. It's like an entire community of resources and people opens up to you. Wow. And it's very validating. I think it's very validating. So having gone through all of that, um, basically, you know, with working from home and with the pandemic, I was really struggling in my job. Mm. And at the time I did not know that I had ADHD. I didn't know why it was so hard for me when other people were adjusting and adapting. And so I thought, okay, well, what are the parts of my job that I know that I love? And for me, Mm. that was working one-on-one with people. So Mm. I worked in a research lab. Um, yeah, I worked in a genetics lab. It was pretty cool. Oh, cool. (laughs) Another thing that the universe was just like, here we go. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, thinking back to my job now, you know, now I have the hindsight, the 2020 vision to see it, but you know, so what I loved about my job was when I got to learn new things Mm. because they're new, they're novel. It gives me dopamine that. Yeah. That crack hit. (laughs) Exactly. And of course I got to the point where I had done it. I learned it all before and then it got super boring, but I was lucky enough to be in a position where I could delegate those tasks to like undergraduate students like, Oh, Hey, this is going to be a great learning experience for you. And then I wouldn't have to do it. Yes. Yes, exactly. And so of course with the pandemic working from home, I lost all of, you know, the people that were around me working like body doubling right. to encourage me to also be working. Totally fucking relatable. Yeah. And then I also could no longer delegate to people because mm. we couldn't, you know, you don't want to spread coronavirus. And right. so I, I was basically left with all of that work and realizing like, oh my gosh, I cannot get myself to do this. This is so boring. I don't understand why this is so hard. And, um, you know, looking back, I thought, okay, maybe I just don't like the science. Like maybe I'm just not passionate about doing like bench work and molecular biology stuff. Like maybe I need <laughs> yeah. to be working one-on-one with people. And mind you, I've been pursuing science for like nine years. I was going to ask what's like your background in, I it's, mean, I'm a yeah. three-time college dropout. So truly like nothing <laughs> of it matters, but I am curious because we are talking like clinical Yeah. Yeah. So my background, um, I have my undergraduate degree in applied biotechnology. Um, so yeah, so I've been kind of doing what part of the world are you in? I'm in Athens, Georgia. Oh, cool. You're Southern girl. Yeah. Yeah. I'm from Florida, Tampa. (laughs) And I went to Auburn university for a whole like five seconds. And then I left. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so I was actually a year into getting my master's degree, um, in like computer science, bioinformatics Ooh. Oh my God, when girl, the damn. pandemic happened. Oh shit. Um, yes. And so truly like everything just collapsed. And the thing is it had always felt like it was always on the brink of collapsing. And I was just always writing burnout, always exhausted, always trying to make it look like I'm doing great right. when inside I am suffering. Right. And so I just decided, okay, well, maybe the only way I could justify it at the time was, I guess I need to be working one-on-one with people. Mm -hmm. I guess I need a job where that's my strength. That's what I'm doing. And so I ended up quitting and I thought, okay, I'm going to become a therapist. I'm going to become like a- The amount of times I've had that thought, girl. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, at times I'm like, I'm going to quit the industry. Fuck it. Fuck yes. it all. This is my passion. And then I'm like, right. wait, school is very fucking hard. It seriously is. Yeah. So you're real. in, are you, so did you end up going back to school? Well, no. Um, so once I got my diagnosis, my ADHD diagnosis and, you know, figured that out basically for myself. And then later right. on got the official diagnosis. Um, I kind of just, I, you know, I thought I was going to be a therapist. And then I read in a book about ADHD coaching mm-hmm. and I'd never heard of it before. Me neither. Never, ever, ever. And I'd heard of life coaching, but Same. for life coaching, I always thought like, oh, I don't need that. Like, I, no. I know. It's I'm like fine. a Pinterest That's... mom from the Midwest yes. where you're like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like I, I would never, I would yeah. never. Yeah. And so with ADHD coaching, I was like, oh, what is this? What is this? And I read about it. And basically what they talk about in these resources is that for people with ADHD, having a person to hold you accountable you know, not, not force you to do anything, but no someone guilt to, and shame, no guilt and shame, just to be there, to encourage you, to support you, to help you when things feel overwhelming to say, okay, let's break this down. What is the first smallest thing you need to do to get this mm-hmm. done? Mm-hmm. And to just really process those feelings of, you know, overwhelm and frustration and, and all, and also I think the the lack of understanding in, in your identity Mm. as someone who, whose brain is wired differently. And, you know, maybe, uh, you know, meditation apps are not going to be the way that you can do Mm, mindfulness because it's pretty boring. When you're ADHD too, meditation is arguably the hardest fucking thing to do. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, if you go online and you read about mindfulness, it's all, you know, meditation and get on headspace and all this stuff. And, you know, the, the truth is we can think outside of the box. Yeah. It's not inclusive for ADHD. We can think outside of the box. We can get more creative because mindfulness is about being present. And if that means you're having a solo dance party in your house and you're just grooving, that's mindfulness. Yes, bitch. I, I've always talked about this on the podcast, but I had a therapist once that blew my mind. That was like your ritual of going to see a movie every Sunday by yourself is a form of meditation. It is a form of you ritualistically turning off the senses, being completely present in the moment and having a thing that is like for your mental health and for your like joy. And I was like, it, it just, blew, it opened the doors to what not only self-care could be, but meditation. And like, I love right. that you said dance party. Cause sometimes I'll just fucking do that. And my boyfriend's like, <laughs> okay, this is like that moment. And he'll usually always like record a video of me secretly and play it back later. And it's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I can't believe I'm like so successful. And that's the person who runs the business. But I think ADHD coach is such a new thing. Do you agree? Or is this something that's been existing forever and just doesn't get the promotion and stuff that I know? I really think that it's just not well known. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my understanding is that there, number one, I don't think there are a lot of ADHD coaches, you know, it's mm-hmm. not as commonly done as finding a therapist or finding a psychiatrist, right. finding a psychologist. It's like step D in the process for a lot exactly, of people. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think should also be step A, sorry. I didn't mean, yeah, to no, absolutely. Um, and I think, I really think that people, um, you know, they think of life coaching and I get it, you know, I think of life coaching and I'm like, I don't know, I don't really need that, but right. For ADHD coaching, it's just insanely helpful to really have somebody on your team and helping you work through. Like you can, it's literally you setting aside an hour of your time, an hour of your week. Mm -hmm. And there's something about, so one thing that ADHDers really struggle with is self-awareness, self-monitoring, knowing what their behavior is, what they're doing, their patterns of behavior. And so the fact that you have this protected time Mm. for you to bring in your challenges, for you to think back 
what did I struggle with this week? Mm-hmm. Like, what felt overwhelming? What felt impossible? Mm. And to bring that to someone who says, we're going to figure this out. Let's break it down. And it's is- not a therapist. It is someone who is talking about specifically those problems where as yes. like a therapy appointment, though, I love what you just said. Like what has bothered me? This- Can you repeat that? I That might be hard to repeat, <laughs> but I love what you said when you were like, what have been my problems this week? How have I been, yeah. you know, not yeah, being where able my to challenges? Have- yes. What have I been struggling with? Yes. Um, in terms of, you know, it can be as simple as, gosh, you know, I've always wanted to have a morning routine and I can never seem to be able to do that. And so having somebody say, this is what you want, this, because it's about what you want for yourself, right? Right. In coaching, it's all about you, right? Right. Like the person with ADHD and what they want for themselves, right? the goals that they have, the desires, the dreams, and having somebody on your team that says, yeah, I'm going to help you get there. Damn. So can I ask, like, what does that look like in terms of pricing? Cause I feel like that's yeah. another big thing where it stops a lot of people from going to therapist stops. It pissed us off going to psychiatrist. So like, yeah. how do you get paid and like live while also being able to help people that maybe even executive functioning of, of something like, uh, uh, finance AKA oh, yeah. is a trouble spot for them. Absolutely. And I think that's so important. And Unfortunately, coaching is not covered by any health insurance. So no health what insurance. Is? I what fucking is? I don't think I've ever been to a therapist that's covered by my insurance. Yeah, I've never been to a psychiatrist that has. Oh, no, so. absolutely not. So yeah. this is not, you say unfortunately, but it's like, it's common. It's, it's, yeah, common it's not surprising. Un- you just yeah, have to right. say that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so um, there's the, the thing about it is that the, the rates are really all over the place. There are some people mm. that charge you know, 200 bucks a session, Wow. there's going to be some people to tra- charge 30 bucks a session. Wow. And so, yeah, it's, it's a very wide range. Mm-hmm. Um, Sliding scale, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, exactly that. And even there are some people, so this is how I do it is that I have a sliding scale to try to make sure that, because it's so important to have, you know, help and support the accessible, affordable, yes, just girl. like you said, having ADHD is hard enough. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we don't need to add now a financial burden on top yep. of all of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, um, definitely. I think offering a sliding scale is something that is so important to, to make sure that it is accessible and to make sure that right. it can help people. And the hope is that the people who are you know, financially a little bit more well-off are able to pay the full rate and that right. supports the people that cannot right, pay the full right, rate. Right, right, right. And that's, I think, important to note too, is like, I've never thought of it that way as like helping someone else by being able, if I am financially privileged, which currently I do not feel so because I've started a startup and (laughs) that's that's a whole nother conversation, but I really love the idea of what you are talking about. Um, so I think that's really important to plug the coaching for sure. Um, before I let you go, I want to talk about the big old elephant in the room that is Adderall and Vyvanse. I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this episode and you've gotten this far and you've got the interest and the experience in here, uh, maybe the personal experience, you have probably seen those Netflix documentaries that talk about Adderall and Vyvanse in a way that is like, we have no fucking clue what the long-term side effects are. Why don't instead we take more naturopathic things like L-theanine and like, you know, all these alternative medications. So I would love to just hit that nail on the head of like, 
how the fuck do we talk about Adderall? (laughs) Yes. And I think truly it's a very personal decision. It's a personal choice and everybody has to make that choice for themselves. I know for me- Is there a vacuum on? Oh, sorry. Yeah, there is. Uh, Oh, okay. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Let me, let me ask her. I just started to hear it. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me go get it. Okay. 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 I'll pause this. Okay. A queen. Thank you. Wait, I have to ask, is that someone that does like a cleaning service to your house? Oh gosh. No, I'm staying with my family. I'm in Miami (gasps) right now. Um, so I'm visiting my family and they, yeah, they have. I only bring that up because I decided that like a huge fucking struggle for me is that that symptom of OCD with the cleanliness. And that's why I was curious because I talked with my business manager and like my number one priority priority was like, I have got to have someone that comes in every other week. It's like 150 bucks or something that just does a light version of what I want to do. And that has taken a lot of fucking trust off me. The day she comes is when I am the most happy and comfortable. Yeah. And, and that, that, is, <laughs> that is actually an ADHD controversy in that <laughs> a lot of ADHD people are very messy. You know, stuff just piles up and they don't notice, but they need a clean space because if there's stuff lying around, they get distracted. I tell my boyfriend all the time because it was a very hard struggle for us to move in together and him adapt to my cleaning skills. And we went to couples therapy about it. And he had a big revelation of like, he now understands if my space is dirty, my brain is dirty. Yes. And so I, he has been wonderful in understanding that and, you know, adapting. So shout out to partners, blah, 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 blah. But I want to get back to Adderall. Let's talk about it. It's a personal choice. You said. Yes. Um, it's a very personal decision. And I know for me, you know, I had all of those concerns. I did not want to be taking a medication that I was going to get addicted to, or Mm -hmm. that I would have to increase and increase and increase until, you know, you know, God knows what kind of a high dose I was on and how that would affect me and everything like that. So it was extremely important for me to do that research and to have that understanding. And so what I have basically done, you know, figured out for myself is that it seems like for people who actually have ADHD, what happens is they have to find the dose that's right for them. Right. And it's different for everybody. You know, yep. they, there's, it's not based on weight it's, or anything like that. It's people's brain chemistries. Mm-hmm. But once you find that dose that works for you, that doesn't have horrible side effects, but that right. you still are able to feel, you know, productive and functional, not you know, high, gonna, not high, exactly. Not speedy, not speedy because yeah. everyone, when they first take a stimulant, they're going to experience the euphoria. Yes. Everyone's going to do that. And, and that's can, what you can sway into anxiety, which is a big, like, yes piece of that I want to mention is like people think, Oh, Adderall, I'm going to be high and productive. And it's like, you also might be rapid cycling thoughts and way worse off. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Um, but for people with ADHD, you know, what they're lacking is dopamine and norepinephrine. And that's what stimulant medications produce. They produce Mm -hmm. more dopamine and norepinephrine. And so now people with ADHD, their dopamine levels are now normal, right? They're at the level that they're supposed to be. And so while the euphoria wears off, what ends up lasting long-term at their right dose is, you know, the, the, the reduced issues with executive functioning, you know, the Mm. working memory and the task initiation, you know, doing the dishes isn't as hard as it always felt before getting out of bed is a lot easier when you want to do something, you can actually do it. And that's what actually ends up lasting long-term. 
Right. So do you, do you work with people that take Adderall and Vyvanse or are you kind of like, we can also look into like L-theanine and mushroom powders and shit like that a little (laughs) bit. Like I'm kind of into that shit right now. Like I take lion's mane every day and I'm actually growing my own lion's mane. Oh, how cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I work with every kind of client. Again, it's such a personal decision right? and I'm not here to judge anyone Mm -hmm. or tell anybody what works best for them because it's such a personal journey and there are people, so basically there's kind of two classes of stimulant medications and one is the more Adderall Vivant and the other is the Ritalin Concerta. Oh, and, I forgot about Ritalin. Yeah, she's yeah. old. I forgot she's about very her. Very old. Yeah. yeah she's very old. So usually when people, you know, are trying these medications, typically what happens is if one doesn't work, the other class will work. And by doesn't work, do you mean like they're taking it and they're not feeling that like re- upping of the, mm-hmm. it, the, like the executive function still aren't happening. Yeah. It could okay. be that, or it could be that the side effects are not tolerable. They're mm. really severe. Mm. Um, so either one of those, Got and it. so often if they try the other class that that can work and if I've never tried Ritalin. Yeah, I haven't. Have either. you? Okay. No, I, I, I was on Adderall and it worked great. So do you, this might be a personal question, but do you still take it? Yeah, I do. Me too. I, I, that's something I like weirdly because the shame and the stigma with it. Right. It's like, I know. and I've been on it, off it, on it, off it. There are times where like, I'll need it more. And by need it, I'm like, Ooh, I hate that feeling of like exactly what you're talking about, where it's like, maybe it, it's something that I need. And that stigma of like a pill brings me to my best ability is so shameful, blah, 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 blah. But well, it's like, what about wearing glasses? right? <laughs> Which I should be wearing, but I broke them. I sat on them. Oh no. I know. Look at this. What the fuck? It's adorable. <laughs> Thank you. Adorable. Um, yeah. So with the stigma that is like the long-term side effects too, I feel like that's something people are like, we still don't know. Like, do we still not know? Well, stimulant modifications have been around for 80 years. Holy fuck. So it's not like they're brand new. It's right. not like they're just popping up and we have, we, I mean, we do have data, we do have the (laughs) long-term studies and, you know, it, 80 decades of research is showing that it's safe for people that actually do have ADHD Mm -hmm. and, you know, are on the right dose. That's a big Mm -hmm. one that are not taking a medication that's not working for them. That's not causing horrible side effects. Mm -hmm. Then yeah, it seems like from the data, from the research that it is safe. And I also take an antidepressant and I also take nerve medication for my chronic pain that sometimes is used as mood stabilization. And I feel like right now I'm on a good little bundle and I've always been like very much, and it is a fucking process, dude. Like I want to tell the confidants that, that it's like, it's taken me 15 years to, and I'm changing people change. So like my medication should change, which is why I don't really name it because I'm like, it might change again and it should change if I'm changing and like the dose might change. And, you know, so I guess, you know, my advice too is have like ADHD coach sounds amazing because you can track your symptoms. You can track your mood. You can track like, is this thing working for me? Am I taking too much? Am I taking too little? And then finding a fucking psychiatrist and therapist that like you vibe with and that you trust to be like, you know, I'm, I'm think I'm abusing this, or I think I'm taking too much. Like that is the biggest piece of advice I can give is like, 
right now, the psychiatrist I see, I can tell her like, Hey, I'm, I'm worried, you know, like maybe two years ago that I'm, I'm relying too much on my Klonopin to fly. That worries me versus like with Adderall. I think people are again, like there's this stigma that people are just trying to get it so they can sell it to people. And like, sometimes I'm like, listen, my friend absolutely has ADHD and he doesn't have enough money to afford medication. And so sometimes when he's really struggling, I'll be like, listen, I don't need to take this every day. Flick, flick them one or two, you know? And And that's why so many people end up self-medicating their ADHD, whether they know they have ADHD or not, Mm -hmm. because they can take other substances that, and you know, they, they, they need to feel better. They want to feel better. And especially for people who don't know that they actually have ADHD, once they get that figured out and they get a diagnosis and they get medicated, usually they have no issues with relapse, which is incredible. That is what I was going to say is, I don't know if it's just me because I've been able to quit things very relatively easy in my life, you know, like cigarettes when I was a teenager, Coke when I was in my twenties, like, you know, I've been able to just stop things. And so for me, the Adderall doesn't feel like a lifeline. It's not like a, I can't function without this because I found a very like good, peaceful place with it. And I think Um, you nailed it with, I think you nailed it with finding the right psychiatrist. So finding somebody who gets it, especially I think for somebody who's, you know, been misdiagnosed or thinks they might have ADHD because there's so much misunderstanding, finding somebody who gets it, who has experience with it. It's like you is younger, maybe, (laughs) you know? Yeah, exactly. I don't know when this episode is coming out, but I'm, I'm talking to two really fucking stacked, like psychiatry, um, uh, women later today. So I don't know which episode is going to come out first, but like the reason how I got connected to them is because one of them was interviewing me for a Forbes article for the book. And I didn't realize I was talking to a psychiatrist. Cause I was just talking, talking, talking. And I like forgot for a second, she was a psychiatrist. And then I went on this rant, like shitting on psychiatrists <laughs> of being like, <laughs> they're old white dudes with their fucking clipboard. And like, you know, they don't really help me. They're $200. And, and she was like, what the fuck? No, we're not. Like, she was like, I would like to stand up for us. So, you know, later today. So I don't know which episode order this is going to come out in, but I feel like hopefully people will have another resource with that conversation. But maybe do you have any tips for like when you feel like you've found the right either ADHD coach or psychiatrist? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Definitely somebody who is validating, somebody who you Mm -hmm. feel comfortable with. And I think when you work with somebody who understands ADHD and they can tell you, oh, that makes sense that you're struggling with this. Oh, that makes sense that you feel that way because a Mm. lot of people with ADHD struggle with that too. That validation is so important and it's so important for reconnecting with your identity and understanding who you are and all of that, because I think it just gets lost when you you don't know. It kind of feels like in a psychiatry appointment a lot, it's not, there isn't a lot of validation. It's taking notes, translating what you're telling them and then, you know, prescribing. And so I think that that's a really good thing to point out is like, if they're not sitting there saying this makes sense or explaining to you like why, but instead saying like, based on what you've just told me, here's what I'm going to prescribe to you. Cause that's happened to me way too many times. Um, Tina, we've been talking for a fucking hour. I can't believe it. I mean, yes, I can. We're two people with ADHD talking about a subject (laughs) we both love, but before I go, tell me about how TikTok has changed your life and business with ADHD coaching and then let's like plug, plug, plug. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. TikTok truly. I think TikTok saved my life. And I know that sounds so dramatic and so wild, but it's my truth. It's my truth. It literally saved my life because I never would have thought that I had ADHD if I did not see all of these videos where I was like, oh my gosh, I do that. Oh my gosh, that's me. 
And, and so now you're I'm producing so... that content. Yes. You, like, I, when yes. I saw yours, I was like, oh my God, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you have that effect, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, I'm truly so grateful and so grateful that I'm able to give back and to share my story, mm-hmm. share my experiences, because what's been surprising for me is I thought, oh, I must, maybe I'm the only person that this has happened to, or, right. you know, oh, it's just me. And being so in this likely. community yeah. has just shown that that is not the truth. Mm. There are so many people who have been misdiagnosed or that they never received a diagnosis and we're not alone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it like, it would be fun to call out in the comments below right now, like confidants. I've talked about TikTok probably every episode since the year started. And I would love to know, like comment below if you are on TikTok and like, what's your username? And I think we should all follow each other. Um, That might be a fun little thing we could do, but Tina, where can people find you and where can they find your coaching? Yes, absolutely. So my website is comfortandkindnesscoaching.com. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and yes, my TikTok is at comfort and kindness. My Instagram is also at comfort and kindness. And I think my Twitter, I'm not very active on Twitter, but yeah, I think it's that's at, a different place. It's I know, not for it's, business. It's <laughs> very different. Very yeah, different. Different um, vibes. Yeah. Perfect. Wait, did you say, yeah, you said comfort and kindness for TikTok. That's where I would start. You guys just go watch her content and see if anything resonates because that's like totally what I did. But seriously, like I was just thinking when you were talking, I was like, this is why I love this podcast. Like, this is why I actually love doing this. Like some days I'm like, Oh, like my pain is high. I don't really want to like talk a lot or like, Oh gosh, I have so much other stuff to do, but this is really like a topic I was so interested about and getting clarification and validation. And like, I just wanted to name that, that I feel just so grateful and like assured that this stuff needs to exist. And so I'm so happy to, to meet you and now become friends because I think what you're doing is amazing and confidants go follow Tina. Don't forget to leave a review. If you want to on iTunes, five stars, if anything less, please don't. Cause I am sensitive. Speaking of sensitive, the merch is out in the link below and, uh, we will see you next week. Tina, thank you so much. Thank you, Kelsey. This is amazing. I appreciate it. Ah, uh, bye. Confidants.